And welcome back, Psychic Unicorns, Queer Witches, and Dice Dragons to another episode of ESP D&D. Today I am very blessed uh, to have three wonderful, wonderful panelists with me on our first official DM Roundtable 2021. Welcome to all of our lovely, fabulous guests in our DM Roundtable. To start, my name is Essie Aaron Spencer. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. And I am a dungeon master slash mistress for the ESP D&D actual play live stream, which we hold every other Saturday on our Twitch channel, playing Tomb of Annihilation, followed by the Heaven's Fire homebrew world. We also do long-form podcast content about D&D and occasionally about pop culture, usually, as you all know, somehow relating in the broader spectrum to D&D. So welcome, welcome to our guests. We're going to go around the table, so to speak with our lovely new overlay, which I'm very proud of. I've become sort of an expert in Photoshop, and by an expert, I mean a glorified amateur. So welcome again, Clockwise. Let's go ahead and just uh, dive right in, uh, starting with Yuki slash Fulcard. Uh, hey, uh, my name's Fulcard. Um, I have a YouTube channel called Loots and Dice. It's all about Dungeons and Dragons, and also my own fantasy music that I compose specifically for people to be able to use it as a background music for D&D. Right now I'm working on the soundtrack for the Out of the Abyss, the unofficial soundtrack. Yeah, so you can check me out there. Awesome. And thank you, Yuki slash Fulcard. Adam Ray, the Is It Tinkerer. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, trees and non-binaries. Adam Ray, the Is It Tinkerer, they, them, please. I'm a writer of uh, pop culture and um, Dungeons and Dragons news, as well as news about the League of Legends card game Legends of Runeterra. I write primarily on the Apotheosis Studios blog, where I brew new monsters, items, situations, and adventure hooks for your TTRPG experience, primarily focused on Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. I've been dungeon mastering and rolling within Dungeons and Dragons for a better part of 10 years now, across multiple systems, and... Gathering in as many stories as I possibly can, I think this game has defined me as a creator and as a person, and I'm thoroughly privileged to be here talking with you lovely, lovely people in this community. And last but certainly not least, Liza, world-building woman from TikTok. We made friends on TikTok, so welcome. Aww. Very happy to have you here. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, thanks for the introduction. Um, Liza, world-building woman, she, her. Um, I met Essie on TikTok, which is where I primarily do my D&D content. I also have a Discord community called World Building Weirdos, where I blend um, my creative writing communities and my D&D communities together to bring world builders of all kind to kind of just bounce ideas off one another and kind of, you know, cross those paths there. But yeah, I'm super excited to be here and talk about this with you guys. Thank you, folks. And welcome. Hello. And we are happy to have you here with us on Roundtable as well. So for those of you who are here from Rory's page, as you know, uh, my little humble TikTok is exactly that. But uh, one of our staff members, our Twitch community moderator, and also one of our cast members for the Action Play livestream, Rory Brown Designs, uh, most, I would say late, uh, lately, most of the people that we have that are uh, being drawn to our Twitch channel, thankfully, uh, are coming from Rory's community. So shout out to our staff member on TikTok, Rory Brown Designs. Go check them out. You may be here because of Rory, so thank you, Rory, for sharing the ESP Twitch channel and for uh, sharing the joy of what we do here on the ESP Twitch channel. 
and community at large. So today, obviously, we're here to talk about D&D. And I know we all have a lot on our minds. We have burning questions, burning thoughts, burning opinions that we are very eager to share. And as content creators with our respective niches and these wonderful communities that we have built, again, I am very excited to dive right in. So we have a bit of an outline. The current state of D&D 5e when it comes to module content versus homebrew content. And one thing that I like about 5e this far into the life of 5e is that there are a lot of there's a lot of supplements on both dms guild and drive through rpg so i wanted to kind of go around the table and get everyone's thoughts on <clears throat> what you think the current state of dnd 5e is as far as the watsi uh, the watsi modules as far as whether or not you're drifting more towards homebrew on whether or not you're homebrewing modules and kind of inserting your own worlds and flavors and completely dismantling the 5e modules or as we call it on the uh, the extended sort of 5e compatible you'll see that a lot in the dms guild and drive through rpg so let's start with whoever wants to jump in what's your current take on the state of 5e and the state of all of the vast content we have you can see all my books back there and homebrews what what do you prefer what are how are you leaning more towards homebrew this far into the cycle are you still going through the modules what's everyone thinking i can jump in really quick so as probably the newest dm in the group i've 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 literally only been playing D D since like june um but I have been world building since I was like 13. So for me, the modules were a fantastic place to start and, you know, to learn the mechanics, to understand pacing and kind of pick up on that. But like my natural inclina inclination is to take them as a jumping off point and just run with it. So to do homebrew, to do world building, like, you know, I'm getting ready to start a campaign that is based around like one of the salt marsh, you know, stories and it's not going to be anything like the rest of the book because it's like just kind of this this one starting point. So my thing is, you know, even though the modules are great content and I think they're a really great start for a lot of people and a lot of like beginners coming in learning how to do it. I, I really think that like, you know, it's, they've made it so easy to expand upon it and build it into what you want to make it, which is kind of what D&D is all about. And so homebrew is the way of the future for me. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And the same, I feel like this is a pretty straightforward, pretty simple question, an easy softball to start with, because yeah, that's exactly what I did. I took Tyranny of Dragons and a Lost Mind of Fandelver, Dragon of Iceberry Peak, rolled them all together and did a completely, completely new story called Rise of the Zentarum. The Zentarum Empire controls the Sword Coast, and it is connected, but also different in a way that it has blossomed into hundreds of original characters and yeah, I mean, an easy softball to start with, I think. That seems to be kind of par for the course now, is taking the module. And with the 5th edition SRD, it's really encouraged. Uh, sometimes, some might say more so than other editions. Yeah, I find that like, very interesting, because largely speaking, my introduction to the game was the exact opposite. To my mind, my just under a decade of playing Dungeons & Dragons, I have run one module adventure, and I have... Uh, I've been a player in the entire module campaign, but everything I've ever done has been homebrewed from the ground up. I, when I first started, uh, some friends from 
my school asked me to DM something because we'd been playing some fourth edition together. So I built my world very bare bones, but still with a solid geography from the ground up and just had them on a sort of round the world trip that led to a political thriller almost. And then the rest of the politics and the state of magic within the world sort of built itself around it. So I built my world whilst playing and I've made such a strong setting that I feel very comfortable to tell any kind of story in it. I love everything you were saying, uh, Lisa, about just trying to keep the modules there open for newer players just to have great springboards. And they're definitely strong for that. And I definitely felt that when I played the, when I DM'd the preview adventure for um, one of the books that we'll probably talk about in the next section. Um, I never really felt the need to use the crutch because I was very fortunate to have a world that I developed so strongly and could just roll with. But I see their strength, but for me, I feel that I've had a very contrary sort of way into the game. Amazing. Really? Thank you. Yeah. I think I'm, uh, I'm sort of... Um, when I started playing d and I was very much into modules, because I'm sort of a perfectionist, and when I see exactly. a book, yeah. I like, Same. oh, I want to I wanna run it cover to cover, just like a canon, you know? Uh, and as I, like, years have passed, and right now I'm at the state when I'm, I'm sick of the Forgotten Realms and all the modules, I'm like, I, like, first couple of years I was buying every book that came, I was like, I mean, here in Ukraine it, uh, it shows up in the stores, like, after several months. So whenever I was traveling to Europe, like, I don't know, in Paris or Germany, I was like, uh, I was talking to my wife, like, we're, we're stopping by at the game store and I'm like, like Baldur's Gate or whatever. Uh, but yeah, um, a lot of those, like, I, I have Storm King's Thunder, I have Tomb of Annihilation, Dragon Heist, the Dungeon of, I, I never touched them. I mean, I used, uh, because it's, uh, it's really... It's daunting to to run the entire thing. Like Tyranny of Dragons took me two years <laughs> to finish. It's crazy. I mean, I ran uh, like one shots and smaller campaigns in, in between, but yeah. And I uh, I think I kind of you know my my skills were were forged uh, while I was uh, running this, and now I'm I'm ready to unleash unlimited power. And, and create and create my own setting. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sort of walking around, uh, just you know, uh, revolving this idea in my head uh, of of the setting, and I'm too lazy to just sit down and like plan it all out. Uh, to the point when I I'm thinking of like streaming it, like just turning on the stream and like, okay, I have I have nowhere to escape. I'm sitting and I'm creating my own setting. Because I I have experience of creating my own stuff. The very first campaign that I ran was my own. I uh, I first got the Lost Mine of Fandelver. I ran the first session and it was a disaster. Uh, and then I thought, well, okay, but I love the game, so I got myself a Dungeon Master's Guide, and I just uh, ran by the checklist of their uh, how to create a campaign and stuff. So I created a settlement than some a couple of cities but it was a total rip off of the forgotten realms like it was just a reskin 
<laughs> basically but yeah still uh, and then after that i just kind of uh, i didn't have time to do my own stuff because i was constantly running running things to uh, to be able to make content for the loots and dice uh and yeah but uh even within modules i would all i would always uh like weave my own little adventure uh uh, kind of like the middle link between uh, the two parts. And my players usually enjoyed those the most. Like, there was a, okay, there was brilliant. This book is good. I'm like, yeah, I actually uh, came up with that. So I was, it's always kind of flattering, but at the same time, I thought, well, hey, I mean, uh, I, I should do my own world now when, I'm, when I have all this experience. I will not rip off the Forgotten Realms. I will rip off all the worlds that I... <laughs> Yeah, that yeah, you've I built mean, along I mean, the way. Yeah, I mean everything. I think I'm I'm thinking about something like you know Dark Souls, like I, I want I want something because uh so we're playing this high fantasy setting, right? But I mean, to my taste, like it's not high enough because <laughs> I mean it's high Whoa. fantasy. <laughs> There's so much stuff, and then we we start at a village. And we kill goblins every single time. We, we start. I mean, some equivalent of goblins. We end yeah. up in a tomb and slay a necromancer, or whatever. And I'm like, why? Why? So I want to create almost like an entire game, like a, a mod beyond the Dungeons and Dragons one, where first level is equivalent to like tenth level. So your first, uh, first boss is a badass huge demon lord I, kind of like in dark souls like the first guy meeted this jailer he's huge and you're like really i have to fight this guy <laughs> so uh yeah and you know if 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 it's high fantasy we're going as high as we can so uh straight like right away uh i don't know a huge gothic cathedral that is run by undead or something or if it's a city, is why can't it be like an angel city, like from Diablo three? You know. Ooh, I like that. Uh, so yeah, I want to just uh, you know uh, ramp up everything to like turn the knob to eleven. That that's what I've been missing all these years in the module. So right now I'm at the state where I I pick homebrew um, instead of module. But yeah, I mean the, the newer DM, I even encourage people to start with something like Lost Mine of Endeavor. Because it actually guides you through everything, uh, introducing uh, all the uh, the skills and everything. So here's what you what should you do. Talk to your players. And yeah, it, I mean, yeah, it explains stuff to you. That's that's so much. There's so much good stuff with everything you just said. Go ahead, Liza. I was just gonna say, I kind of have like a hopefully quick follow up question. Like, are you throwing these like bigger bad guys at them earlier, right? Like a level ten boss at at a level one player to kind of encourage them to go explore, so that they might not like defeat him in that, but they have to come back. Like you, we were talking about before, you know, and and kind of leveling up and beefing up before you get to the boss, or is it strictly like you just want some bigger stuff earlier on, and they will also have the abilities to make that happen? Like they're character will also kind of match that higher level just yeah. my own curiosity okay cool so i mean that's i mean both so okay. i like both ways uh it it depends uh i i love the idea of uh, the villain showing up uh early on in the game like a super bad uh, but yeah um i like just bigger stuff and buffier 
uh, characters and Buffy or everything just, you know, scaled up. Like, they're not just dudes from a village. They're uh, magical freaking heroes. Uh, and, uh, but when I was, I, I, I first got this, uh, this feeling of how cool is it to introduce the villain early on when I was running Curse of Strad, and Strad shows up in, in, at, like, session two, and he just chills while his wolves are tearing everybody apart, and, and then he's like, yeah, I'm, that's it for now, I'm off, guys, see you Hi. later, and they're like, holy you, shit. Like, he could have killed us, oh my god. And they were all, all bitchy about it. They were like, yeah, screw you. And he was like, point a finger and charm the guy and make him, I don't know, drink poisoned wine or something. Yeah. <clears throat> That's the one campaign that I have not actually purchased because, as you know, we're on hiatus in our uh, in Full Cards server. We have an ongoing Curse of Stride campaign DM by Exiled Ranger, which was temporarily oh, on really? hiatus, but is now. Uh, we believe that uh, Ranger is going to be starting our campaign again within the next month. But so I'm I'm still seeing that from the lens of a player, which is interesting. Okay. I've I've heard you know obviously a lot of spoilers as a content creator and a DM. I'm getting you know I've kind of prepared myself for some of the other things I already know, but it's very interesting still not knowing everything about what's happening. Yeah. I mean, I made a video, like three minutes of Curse of Strad, and everything mm -hmm. is explained within three minutes. Yes, I did see that too. Oh, oh I was gonna warn you, <laughs> but I mean, you you knew where you're clicking, right? Yes, yes. I mean, it's sad on on the title, so yeah, it's not my fault. But I I know how to kind of dissociate a little bit, and it's uh, being so quick yeah. of a video, I didn't retain everything, and I tried to kind of zone myself out a little bit, but. Again, it's hard as a content creator and a DM to avoid a lot of spoilers, especially in module content, modular mm -hmm. content. But it seems like we're all on the same page when it comes to starting as a new DM, especially for a new edition. Like, I was a DM for GURPS for a long time, and 5th edition was a bit of a change. And I started with Lost Mine of Fandelver, and that morphed into the combination of Dragon of Ice Fiery Peak and Rise of Tiamat, Tyranny of Dragons, the whole overarching campaign with the Rise of the Centaurum. And I really liked what you said about these big bombastic sort of over-the-top themes, because with our 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 home game, which again was that amalgamation of uh Lost Mind, Dragon of Ice Fiery Peak, and Rise of Tiamat, within that module we had this incredible overarching campaign between two two or three different days in which i had the lord's alliance sort of flirt with fascism and the players had to overthrow this ever-growing rise of uh, fascism led by Dagal neverember they had to they got to storm the city of neverwinter with the full might of the zentilar we had siege towers we had artillery, we had cavalry, the wyvern riders were there, we were integrating dragons, and all kinds of just banana hands over the top political intrigue and warfare. And by the end of that arc, and this was about a year and a half ago, so 
this was during the tumultuousness of everything that was happening in the U.S. with the U.S. elections and with Black Lives Matter and with Trump. And every single person in that party was so grateful to be able to to put all of that sort of collective trauma that we had into D&D to overthrow this fascist nation, which, you know, fascism is objectively a bad thing. They were also emotional and it was such a cathartic release to be able to storm that city and depose a dictator and to free the political prisoners that were there in pretty horrific, horrific conditions in a dungeon below the city. Everyone, myself included, was was in tears. And one of our players who uh, had approached me and they were like, thank you for this, like seriously. Um, and that that is something unique that is that you can only that I could only have gotten from taking pre-existing module content and reshaping it. And I tried to I tried to to take that and or take something like that and put it into our homebrew world that we're going to be doing on the Twitch channel, but it just didn't fit because it was its own it was its own thing, and I, I couldn't really recreate what I what we had created through that homebrew X module amalgamation that we had created because. The homebrew world was its own unique thing, but what I did find, to your point, uh, Fulcard, was that I can go even bigger. I can have these big, ridiculous, even over-the-top themes integrating science fantasy and uh, deities that are, you know, basically universal galactic travelers, and the story just got huge and over the top and there were these two separate things that we could do that each had their own respective place in both the module hybrid and the homebrew world so everything you said it i think it really resonates with me with having the political intrigue with the module being able to to bend the the five e factions in the sword coast and the forgotten realms which are incredible and then also take the homebrew content and be like you know what let's just be a little over the top silly with this but it totally. works yeah any other thoughts on module versus homebrew go wild Very interesting to yeah go wild is definitely the way of it because that was the struggle i had in the what little module experience i've had is that i let my players go wild by default like the only module I've ever ran was the the introduction adventure in the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, and it had like the plot threads for a potential campaign just like loosely based in my head because I know the setting so well that I let the one of the players just go off and run their old investigation, none of which was covered in the module itself. But I suppose I can credit my own experience as a dungeon master to be able to let them do that. I wonder if the rigidity of certain modules might be a, like a negative effect for newer for newer dungeon mm. masters how would they be able to handle that sort of thing that was always, that's always a concern that i would have because as uh, yuki said i wanted to when they started i wanted to cover it cover to cover but that might not necessarily be possible depending on the people you're playing with they might want to explore in ways that no matter how well written the module is there will always be something that can't be accounted for and kind of flexibility is something that i prefer to stick with as opposed to module however they yes. are still 
excellently written. They are still very diverse and they still have a lot of bases to cover and lines of play that you can follow. But I do recommend if you trust yourself as a storyteller, try to rely on your own creativity as opposed to something pre uh, prescribed. So would you say and that you... Oh, go ahead, Lance, oh, go ahead. sorry. Just to build off of that a little bit too, like, and if, if as starting off, you're a newer DM and you're, you're wanting to like learn a little bit more and learn about DMing and you want to stick to the book, like just set that expectation ahead of time in session zero too. And just be like, Hey, like, are you guys okay with like you kind of doing some stuff, but if I need to kind of like reining it back in to fit into the module, like, I don't know, just talk with your players, right? D and D is all about communication and, and talking about who's interested in doing what kind of early on too, um, is really helpful there. Um, yeah, but I think we're talking about session zeros and everything here in a little bit. Yep. So saying the expectation for a session zero would be essential, but uh, if you're newer, I think those conversations are definitely essential. But uh, yeah. yeah, so flexibility is always key too. So definitely, Adam, do you have a favorite module? Would that be? That's okay. Um, I own uh, Horn of the Dragon Queen, and I've had access to almost all of them through various means just to cherry pick particularly interesting plot threads, good monster blocks, good magic item blocks, just to be able to supplement my own world and my own writing. Uh, as a as a player, I have played in an excellently run um, version of Waterdeep Dragon Heist. I was a half-elf warlock in that game and was very involved in the High Art Society, which became very effective until a couple of sessions where I wasn't able to attend they decided that my warlock patron had summoned me and then i returned to the party with the information needed to actually complete the heist having clearly aged several years and having somewhat fourth dimensional knowledge of time and space so by that logic i'd have to say Warty dragon heist sort of by default because i have next to no experience with any of the other with any other module that what wizards have put out I mean, Dragon Heist is a great module. I ran it cover to cover and so much fun. How about everybody else? Do you have a favorite 5e module or a favorite uh, 5e compatible supplement? That's that's a, that's a relevant thing to say, but we'll, we'll let everybody talk about first. Um, Dragon Heist is my favorite. I'm playing it right now in a campaign and my DM for it is just amazing. Um, it's It's again like we said you know kind of just been a jumping off point it's kind of becoming a homebrew just based on our interactions as players and what we've done um but it is kind of the foundation and i i've really really enjoyed it so far so awesome yeah i i, I think that curse of strat is the best for me also very good i mean i i i, I haven't run uh, a lot of the, a lot of modules during dragons a little bit of prince of the of the apocalypse and from what I can tell, it's a little bit messy uh, from the start. Uh, Out of the Abyss is cool. It's, it's very cool. Uh, but I, I like it more as a Underdark supplement. Because I uh, like half of the book is designed to kind of make you uh, able to run random Underdark encounters and stuff. And I really like that. But Curse of Strat, I think, uh, from from the modules that I've seen, is kind of is uh, the most fun. And I mean, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, Barovia is is not totally not fun, not really fun. But uh, what I'm saying is, uh, it's kind of a 
I like the sandbox nature of it uh, because the I mean it's perfect in 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 terms that the the players are thrown into this circumstance and the goal is perfectly clear. Okay, we're stuck here. We need to get out. And uh, it turns out that the only way to get out is to kill Strahd. Uh, and so the goal is super clear. The players are never lost. They know, like, okay, what's our next step? Let's figure out. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it's, it's not even a spoiler, I think, because uh, it's, it's kind of clear from the, from the start. And then they, it has a map. I, I, I freaking love when modules come with maps that you can, you know, tear off and play with. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it has a map and all those towns that are written in a very uh, interactive manner. Uh, in, so in a way that it has a lot of information, but everything is open-ended. And uh, the, all the characters and the events are given just the right amount of inertia to kind of, when you mix your players' decisions, it kind of just resolves naturally. And everything just resolves naturally in Curse of Strad. And the fact that, you know, the, uh, I mean, spoiler alert, the, uh, what do you call it? The fortune telling stuff is really cool because it's sort of replayable because of that. Uh, and the, the concept. Taroka Tarot. Yeah, the, the fact that the key elements of the adventure that will, would help the players uh, kind of win. Uh, are randomly generated through fortune telling mm -hmm. every time you run it. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty cool. All so right. Yeah, Curse of is super cool. Well, thank you all for your input on the state of 5e modules versus homebrew. I think we're ready to dive into the next topic, unless anyone has any final thoughts.